ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 358th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons went down today 21-15 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to drop to 2-3 on the season. The Falcons went down 21 to nothing and then battled back to make it a game late. With 4.38 to go, they had cut it to 21-15 on a two-point conversion pass to Corderell Hodge. Then the defense needed a stop. Apparently had one. But no, the refs threw a flag on A.J. Terrell. So the defense still fights. They get another one. They get a sack on third down, 10 yards. Tampa Bay's got a punt. Then Jerome Boger, uh, the referee, throws a flag, calls Grady Jarrett for a necessary roughness, and the Bucks are able to revive, survive, run out the clock, and hold off the Atlanta Falcons here at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. Well, it is Tampa. There's not really a Tampa Bay. <laughs> but the Bucks will stay in first place at 3-2 and two with the victory over the Falcons, who came back and fought hard after sustaining a 21 to nothing deficit. You know, the Falcons were playing without some of their key weapons today. Uh, Corderell Patterson and Kyle Pitts were out, and that's 35.6% of your offensive production yardage-wise. So anybody wasn't, uh, you know, would be, you shouldn't have been surprised that they got off to a slow start offensively when you had to replace two of those key guys. But the late plays, the late calls, you know, left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. If, you know, if you get beat, you get beat. You don't want the refs to beat you. So um, that was a big issue after the game. You know, Grady Jarrett, uh, A.J. Terrell talked about it. Casey Hayward, you know, gave his vantage point. You know, Coach Arthur Smith didn't want to uh, do it. Uh, you know, he didn't want to get fined. He didn't want to risk getting fined. But it was a big topic after this game today. We also uh, activated the pool report from the Pro Football Writers of America where officials are held accountable for these calls. And so we have a pool report up on AJC.com from referee Jerome Boger from Atlanta, played at Morehouse and uh, so forth. So uh, he said, you know, the takedown move is what, you know, Grady got called for, you know, not because he got up over Brady and ran back to the sidelines. That's what they teach him. They do that in practice. But uh, the wrestling kind of takedown moves are, are being frowned upon. So, you know, it's, and then there's a school of thought that Brady gets calls. There were other tackles that were harder than that uh, and so forth. But, um, you know, we're going to cover all that today. We're going to hear from everybody we talked to in the locker room. And we'll wrap up this game here. The 21-15 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Here's Coach Arthur Smith and what they did well to get back into the game. Well, it was a lot of things, D-Led. Obviously, uh, you know, just a few possessions in the, in the first half. Um, you know, credit to Tampa. Uh, we figured they'd bring, you know, pressure, which they do. Um, and they hit us a couple of them, and we felt we could keep chopping away at it. Adjusted a few things, and we thought we'd break the dam. And I uh, thought we started to do that. And certainly we play as a team in all three phases, and we got a good return. Uh, defense did a nice job uh, getting them off the field, and Avery made a nice return, and we were able to go punch it in. Um, then had another shot there. So got backed up uh, with a face mask call, and then uh, got the ball back, and we were able to score. Uh, Marcus made a hell of a play into pressure. And then uh, great throw and great catch by Hodge on the two-point. All right. Now, um, there was – I mentioned Patterson and Pitts not being here for the first game. Pitts could probably make it back. Had a sore hamstring. They didn't want to push it and then turn it into a lingering issue. But uh, Patterson's out for the next three games at least. Uh, with uh, a knee, He had knee surgery last week. So, you know, you lose 35% of your offense. We wanted to know, hey – what was it like not having these two key offensive pieces? This reality, everybody deals with it, D-Led. Uh, that's our job. You know, control what you can control. And we're going to get the guys ready that can play. And uh, I said, I'm proud of our guys. We don't ever think we're out of the fight. All right. So, you know, the coach didn't want to discuss the, the calls. I mean, it's, you know, the elephant in the room. But, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to go in his pocket. He doesn't want us to go in his pocket getting him fined. But uh, uh, we asked him about the calls and if he was worried about the refs and, and so forth, and he said he had to coach better. I got to find out how I can coach better. It has nothing to do with them. There's a lot of things in the game that I got to figure out what I can do uh, from a coaching and technique standpoint. All right. That's Arthur Smith, coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Let's move on to quarterback Marcus Mariota, who was able to get those two touchdowns on the board late. To, to give the Falcons a comeback. Here's what he had to say about the comeback. Says a lot about our team. Uh, we got a great group of young players, great group of guys, really. And, you know, it's kind of been the, the tale of our season. We've, we've found ways to make it close and have a chance to win, and, and that's what it's about. You know, football is four quarters. It's an imperfect game. It's not going to always be pretty, but we'll find ways to pull these ones up. Now, you know, they were stymied for most of the game. It's 13 and a half, but they get it going late. Here's what changed in the fourth quarter. Uh, our coaching staff did a great job of doing some adjustments. Um, you know, it, it's a tough defense. You got to give them credit. And, um, you know, they've been causing havoc through the first four weeks of the season. So we know we had a challenge in front of us. Um, but our guys didn't, didn't flinch at all. We understand that sometimes you got to be patient, especially with what we do on offense. And, um, you know, the dam's going to break. And our guys did a great job of throwing punches, throwing punches. And uh, we, were, we found ways to score points at the end. Here's what the offense, Mariota, you know, once you, you know, or, or without some of your big guns, we wanted to know how the offense did without Pitts and Patterson. Well, I thought our guys did a good job of stepping up. At the end of the day, um, you know, playing this defense, we knew it was a challenge. And, you know, for our young players to come in and do what they could, I, I thought our guys did a good job. And it's not, it's not any slight on what our guys do, but I think at the end of the day, um, you know, we'll continue to improve and find ways to get better. Now, um, when the Falcons did get moving offensively, when they got moving earlier, they had penalties. Uh, there was a uh, Drake London play that was wiped off, a first down, 25-yarder, 24-yarder. 
17-yard run by Algier was wiped off by uh, a penalty also. So, um, you know, hey, how – it wasn't a lot of penalties, but they were they were hurtful penalties. So we asked Mariota, you know, what do they have to do to, to avoid these penalties, these big penalties? I think it comes down to just trusting your fundamentals. Um, you know, we – obviously, guys aren't out there trying to, you know, create fouls or do that on purpose. Um, but within the nature of the game, just understanding um, what the positions are fundamentally so that we can play a clean game. Um, but those things are out of our control, really. Um, you know, we can do a better job of getting back on track, especially after some of these penalties, and, um, you know, put ourselves in positions to keep, keep our rhythm going and move the chains. Yeah, you know, they look like an offense devoid of playmakers early on. And, uh, you know, it took a while to figure out how to move it around, how to open up the running game. And, and Jake Matthews uh, was asked what they can do better at the beginning of games. Really everything. Protection, running the ball. Um, I think we had some penalties too. So it, we got to execute just in a broad sense. And um, it's easier said than done. But... It's just frustrating. I keep saying it, but it takes too long to start executing. So we're out of it by then. Now you know, even you know, you're gonna have injuries in the NFL. You're gonna be missing some players, and so we discussed with Jake uh, what to expect. You know, even when you are missing some of these key players. Yeah, but we we expect that out of ourselves, and um, start showing stuff later. But you know. We, you know, we expect to win with whoever we put out there because we know we have the t talented players. So, um, yeah, we just got to go look at it and learn and get better from it, you know. Okay, now, you know, this is uh, the fifth game in. You know, the Saints game, they get a big lead, blow that lead. Go to Rams, the Rams get a big lead. They come back and make it close, you know, lose a one-score game. Then they go to Seattle and uh, win the game, pull it out with a defensive stop. And then, you know, last week at home against Cleveland, they're able to pull it out with the defensive stop. So all of these games have been close. And uh, the team is uh, making a, a, an identity. So we uh, wanted to know from Jake what he learned about the team today. I've always known we have fight. We're, we're never going to quit. That's first and foremost. Um, also that, you know, th there's a good group of guys. No... No one's out for themselves. Um, everyone's bought in what we're doing. And, you know, there was no one turning their backs on anyone or pointing fingers. It was, hey, let's, let's fix what we got to fix and get back into this, which we did. But, um, like I said, it just wasn't enough. All right, that's uh, Jake. We're going to go to um, Caleb Huntley here, the running back. Uh, I got a nice note uh, from, from one of his uh, uh, co-workers or a friend that he knows. It says, my co-worker, Miss Rosalind McGill, lost her oldest son, Jordan, on Mother's Day morning this year in a tragic car accident. Jordan's best friend is Atlanta Falcons' Caleb Huntley. And when he scored the first touchdown, he called Rosalind and said, Mom, Jordan was with me when I scored. Quotes. With so many bad things in the news, I just wanted to share this story because his phone call put a smile on her face and we have not seen in a while. And with the loss of the child, we understand why. Not sure if this story is of interest, but I just had to share Mr. Lindsey McDaniel. So that was um, a good little story about Caleb. 
we'll um, follow up with that when we see him uh, next. I had, uh, you know, got caught up in the end of the game and so forth and didn't take that down with me. So, but still wanted to share that with you about Caleb Huntley, uh, the Atlanta Falcons running back. And let's, uh, I just want to look. They did get some running yards going. They finally got it going. Caleb had eight carries for 34 today. And here's what Caleb had to say about what Tampa Bay's defense did that was so frustrating. It was frustrating that they were just doing simple stuff to stop us that we've, you know, we've been practicing and stuff like that. But um, like I said, we figured out a way to kind of, you know, execute the second half. But I wish we would have did it the whole game because it would have been a different story. All right, and Caleb ran hard again. Uh, he's from Locust Grove, Riverdale Road. Uh, we've written a couple stories on him. You know, practice squad moved up to the roster with uh, Patterson out. One, And we wanted to know from Caleb uh, how he felt he performed today. I feel like I did okay. Um, I can always do better. That's um, what practice is for, just back to the basics, uh, working on the fundamentals, uh, just continuing to uh, try to elevate. All right, now let's do some game notes and offensive notes, and then we'll take a break. Then we'll come in, do the mailbag, and then uh, wrap up with the defense here. So, you know, game note-wise, the, um, the Falcons uh, had 261 total net yards, including 151 rushing. You know, they entered the game averaging 168, which was fourth in the league, so this 151 will keep them up there. Uh, Atlanta's offense rushed for 150 yards for the fourth time this season, marking the fourth time Atlanta eclipsed 150 yards in four of the first five games of a season in franchise history, the first time since 1986. Atlanta's 823 yards rushing are the most by the team through the first five weeks of a season since 2008. Uh, that was 903. And the first seven rushing touchdowns are the most by the team in the first five games since 2015 when they had 10 rushing touchdowns. Uh, the Falcons defense recorded a fourth down stop in the red zone for the second consecutive week. And the defense forced three straight three and outs late in the second half, holding the Bucks to 15 yards on nine plays. They need to flip that. You got to do that early in the game. So, uh, but they did it late. And the Falcons' defense limited the Bucks to 69 yards on the ground. That'll help their run defense numbers. And then Bradley Pinion, the punter, served as the Falcons' sixth captain today. So there are your game notes from today. Offensively, we're going to look at our offensive numbers here. Marcus Mariota was 14-25 for 147, one touchdown, 86.6 uh, passer rating. He also rushed for a team-high 61 yards on seven carries. Uh, Sunday marked the seventh time Mariota has rushed for at least 60 yards and the second time he's hit the mark with the Falcons. Tyler Algier, your starting tailback today, had 45 yards on a season-high 13 carries. That's a 3.5 average. You know we want that average to be at four. Uh, running back Avery Williams, he had a nice little touchdown run there late. He rushed for 11 yards uh, in his first career touchdown on three carries and caught two passes for 10 yards. William also had a career-long 28-yard punt return 
and returned three kickoffs for 69 yards. That's a 23 average. Want that to be 25. Uh, wide receiver Alameda Zacchaeus. He recorded two receptions for 39 yards and one touchdown, his second of the season for the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons lost today 21-15 to to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to take a break right now. This is the Bowtie Chronicles from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we're back here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, and we're going to move on to our mailbag segment with Daniel Solerson, our executive producer for the Bowtie Chronicles. How are you doing today, Daniel? Doing pretty good, D-Led. I appreciate it. And again, you can follow uh, D-Led on Twitter at DOrlandoAJC. If you have any questions for him after every game, he'll be happy to answer them for you. Unfortunately, some of these are a little frustrated or from some fans that are pretty frustrated, D-Led, but I'll let you, the expert, handle them. We'll start with at A Woods underscore 17. It says, ask Dean Pease, why is the coverage so soft on the 8-10 to 10 yard passes over the middle? Is it the scheme? Is it blown assignments? This happens every week with no adjustments made. I've seen that too. Uh, you know, you can attack and play tighter. Then you have the, the risk of people running behind you. But it was explained to me today from Michael Walker, and we wrote it on, it's up online right now. He said, hey, they're preaching to us that we are bend but not break defense. And so, you know, they're they're conceding some underneath things, but they don't want you gashing them over the top for 20 and 40-yard games that we saw. We saw Michael Evans get a 40-yarder late in the game. So, uh, you know, though you sometimes you gotta rob Peter to pay Paul, and, and that's what they're doing on defense. You know, they're they're gonna let you throw it underneath, then they're gonna rally to the ball and try to knock it off of you. So uh, you know, that's that's what they're doing on, on defense there. All right, this one's another defensive question. This is from at Jelani64. He said, why are the linebackers dropping so deep, leaving Fournette all alone five yards downfield underneath? This was, I guess he tweeted this um, during the game today. Yeah, same thing. It seemed like, you know, they, they want to take those deep, deep in cuts away from Tom Brady, take his shade to Michael Evans. So, so Fournette's going to. You know, he, he can catch a check down, but he's not going to take it to the house on you. So same uh, Ben but not break principles. Uh, yeah, you could put a man up on Fournette and take that away, but then you'll give up something behind him, something, ba- something deeper, something, uh, you know, something that you don't want to give up to try to, you know, it's just another ploy to, to, to keep your um, yards down. Uh, it's like, hey, we're giving up, making Brady check it down, basically. That's why they're doing that, and that's that's what's happening there. 
And this one is from Frustrated Falcons fan, and he seems pretty frustrated with the offense, D-Led. He says, every NFL rule favors the offense. How come offensive guru head coach Arthur Smith's offense has been inept for 22 straight games? I don't think it's been inept for all of those, but I'll let you answer that one, D-Led. You know, I'm not going to call the coach's offense in there. Uh, I don't, uh, you know, I don't, um, they won seven games last year. They were in a lot of one score games. Every game this year has been one score. You know, they, they're revamping everything. The one thing they got going is the running game. They, they, the numbers look great there and they stayed with some linemen that we all wanted to, a lot of people wanted to run out of town and, and they're blocking, they're blocking it up pretty good. Uh, they were devoid two playmakers today and, and you know, London, that gave Tampa Bay a chance to put London on display and, and uh, put him in a bind. But um, over the two years, I think the, the frustrated fan is not being fair and accurate. Uh, the offense is doing just fine. Uh, what, um, I don't like them big games when you get down big, then you come back and make it look close. Then you say, hey, we did a great job. Uh, you got to come out and do that off of the rip. Do it early. You know, that happened twice. The Rams scored on four or five touchdowns. It just got out of hand, but they didn't let them close it out. Same thing here today. So um, short answer is, hey, I don't I don't think the offense is, uh, you know, inept or whatever the uh, frustrated fan called and that it's a work in progress. It's not it's not the San Diego Chargers yet. <laughs> it's not Eric Coriel yet, but they're uh, they're making progress. And d I have one more for you, and I'm going to ask this question myself. I figured I didn't have to tweet you. I can just ask you when I get on here. Um, just kind of looking at this team and today's game, you, you put up a fight at the end to make it pretty close. Obviously, a, a, a different call from the referee, and the Falcons could have had another possession to try to win this game. Uh, what did you learn about this team in today's game? You're facing Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, the division rival. What, what did you learn about this team today? Kind of like uh, Jake Matthews said that hey they're gonna fight they go they come out and fight uh, you know they don't they don't uh, throw in a towel some teams get down twenty one to nothing and it snowballs on them and you know this thing could have been you know forty eight to nothing but uh, they didn't let that happen so uh, you know they're a little short on talent and, and we know that they're short on talent because of the salary cap moves they're sixty million under and now they're starting to take on some injuries here too. So, um, you know, they're going into some of these games, you know, with the switchblade at the sword fight, but they're fighting. So that's a that's a trait that you want to build off of when you um, as the players get better and older, then, you know, you can, you're going to start throwing some haymakers and knocking some people out. And, you know, if the team wants to quit, you know, that was a good Cleveland Browns team. Granted, they they didn't have, uh, you know, three of their defensive guys up front. But, you know, they stayed in that fight and, and won it at the end. So, you know, the NFL is built for parity. Now, if you come to play every Sunday, you're going to have a shot. And so the Falcons are going to have a shot this year. The two-win prediction was, um, you know, uh, uh, probably going to be way off base. But, uh, you know, the reality is that, you know, they're playing uh, shorthanded a lot this year. But they're staying in these games and, even when it looks like they're getting ready to get kicked out of the game, they come back and fight. So that those are good traits. Those are things to build on. Those are guys that you want to keep around uh, and, and, and guys that you want to um, 
uh, build your, your program around. They talk about ethos and all this stuff. But, man, you need some players that are going to make some plays for you that are going to fight all day long. And uh, at least they got players that are fighting all day long, and they got a chance to get better because they're young players. So uh, that's what that's what I learned today. A lot of uh, affirmations on what they're trying to do. You just know that it's a tough fight. Uh, it's going to be a tough one next Sunday against the 49ers too. But it's been interesting to watch this team try to develop. And, and you know, you'll see a young guy like Troy Anderson out there pushed into the uh, middle of the fray because. Michael Walker gets hurt. So, and Troy held his own. He didn't look out of place out there. So, that's a guy that uh, is going to be part of the future here in Atlanta. Good stuff. Again, you can tweet uh, D Led at D Orlando AJC. Again, at D Orlando AJC after every game. We try to get to the mailbag as best we can. Make sure you send your tweets, and D Led will remind you all on game days as well. That'll do it for me, D Led. Back to you. All right, Daniel, thank you so much uh, for that. We're going to look at some of the defensive stats, and we're going to hear from some more players here before we get out of here on the uh, 358th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Uh, Michael Walker left the game early with a groin injury. He had 11 tackles, 7 solo, second straight week, tying his career high. Uh, despite missing the second half due to injury. I got to go change my story because I thought I had him leaving in the third quarter. Looks like he left in the second. Uh, Jalen Hawkins finished with a career-high 10 tackles. Richie Grant recorded seven tackles. Now, y'all y'all know I don't like to sit. The safety's making all these tackles. <laughs> so uh, we're going to you know, need some of these players to stop before they get to the safety. So... But Coach Dungey used to call Bob Sanders the eraser. So the the safeties, if they're making the tackles, that's kind of a good thing because they're racing the long gainers. But, um, you know, 11, 10 tackles, and 7, yeah, that's a lot for the safe. Then cornerback D. Offer finished with 6. So Brady was trying to go at him with Godwin or uh, Russell Gage, and uh, that was 4. He had 4 tackles and 1 pass breakup. And then Rashawn Evans, who took over the play calling from uh, Rashawn, from uh, Michael Evans, he ended up with uh, six tackles and four, four solo tackles. Troy Anderson, who came in, had a career-high four tackles, one tackle for loss. Grady Jarrett had three tackles and two quarterback hits and one would-be sack. Lorenzo Carter finished with three tackles and one quarterback hit. And then special teams-wise, uh, Youngway Koo missed a 52-yarder wide right. And Bradley Pinion, who was the captain today, the honorary, the, the additional captain, he punted six times for 290 yards, 48.3 gross, 41.7 net, including three inside the 20. So there are your defensive notes and your special team notes. Let's uh, get back to some of the players here before we wrap up today. Uh, Drake London. Let's look at Drake's line real quick. He was the top target for the uh, Bucks to stop today, and and he uh, he got seven targets uh, thrown his way and caught four passes for thirty five yards. So they gotta work on that, especially with Pitts and Patterson out. So let's uh, let's hear from Drake on not being able to get that momentum until late in the game for the offense. I don't know. We just go out there and try to play football at the end of the day. Um, 
sometimes it doesn't go your way, sometimes it does. Um, all you can do is just keep on fighting and trying to break that barrier and get through that. Yeah, no doubt. And here's where the other passes went. Uh, Colonel Real Hodge uh, caught three for 33. Zacchaeus caught two for 39 and a touchdown. Uh, that, as Avery Williams, two for two for 10. Then uh, one target each for first skirt. Brian Edwards, Parker Hesse, Felipe Franks had two targets, no catches. Damian Bird, one target, no catch. Uh, first girl had one for 11. I was a big first down. Uh, Edwards had one for 10. And Parker Hesse had one for nine. So that's where all the other passes went. Now let's uh, let's hear from Casey Hayward, one of the leaders on the defense, uh, veteran age-wise for sure, on the two calls at the end of the game on A.J., Terrell and Grady Jarrett. I mean, it's frustrating, but at the end of the day, we got to put ourselves in better situations to, you know, to go out there and win those games without those calls. So uh, definitely got to put ourselves in better situations to start. We started too slow. Well, you know, obviously, you know, from my vantage point, it looked like it was a bad call, but, you know, that's why you put the refs out there to make these calls, and um, they pay these guys to make those calls. So I can't be, you know, it looked bad on my standpoint, but like I say, uh, I was in the back end. That was the, you know, they they put these guys there to make those calls. All right, now um, AJ Terrell, we wanted to talk to him about the mood of the locker room. Not, you know, of course not the best uh, <clears throat> energy, but you know, some we just bounce back, watch the film, uh, just things we could have done better early in the game, mm -hmm. and uh, just be able to not get in those situations, in the, you know, in the fourth quarter and just close games out. You know, AJ was a little bit philosophical on the calls. I mean, he did a lot more on other plays that he didn't get called on. Uh, so this looked like a really routine call, routine play for us, but he was called. So um, AJ uh, felt that he can't control what the refs call. Big games, you know, just, just a little emotional, you know, but, you know, like I said, just something that we uh, can't control the calls and, you know, just trying to come back and play the next snap. Yeah, and so we talked to Mikael Walker, and that story's up online. You know, I know it was tough for him being on the sidelines when the defense was trying to get that stop, so we talked about that. Uh, he's getting an MRI on the groin tomorrow. He says he's going to be fine. He's going to be playing next week. Here's what Mikael Walker had to say about um, the, a few few things during our one-on-one -on -one interview with him after the game. What does this game say for the team here? Uh, y'all were able to fight back in a couple calls late there. Uh, it didn't go y'all way. Uh, I mean, just every, I mean, if you watch our schedule, every week is like this. So for mm -hmm. us, we know it's going to be like this every single week. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, um, you know, we had questionable call, but at the end of the day, we can't put it in the rest hands. So mm -hmm. um, we're going to go back, look at the tape, and see what we could have fixed in the beginning of the game to mm -hmm. not get in that situation. And how are you with the groin? I'm okay. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go check that tomorrow. Um, mm -hmm. Right now, I'm feeling good. So uh -huh. go check that tomorrow. I should be ready to play next week. All right, stuff. Yep. Okay. Um, you know, the defense, uh, you know. Um, you know, y'all got what about the fourth down stop there? That was a big play for you. Oh, it's big. I mean, we just feed off of that. You know, we had one last week, um, got another one this week. So I mean, just has to be, you know, we're a bend, not break team. So that's just that's just what we preach, and you know, we're a tough team, so we're able to fight. How tough was it, you know, you know, missing the action for yourself? 
I was really tough, you know. I, I, I feel like I was, uh, you know, having the good games and coming through. So just not being able to go out there and finish and fight, especially coming back from the hole we dug ourselves in, not being able to fight with my team, you know, it sucked. Mm-hmm. How did Rashad do when they had to pass the helmet to him? Yeah, he did great. Like I said, man, me and Rashad, I was telling him, I, I got my money on 5 4 and 3 every time. So as soon as I went down, I knew Rashad was going to pick up the slack. And, you know, we got a great kid, 44, in there to run in there and take over, too. So we got a really good linebacker room. And I knew as soon as if I couldn't go in there, those guys would be able to hold it down. There you have it, Mikael Walker discussing uh, his play in the defense and Rashawn Evans taking over the green dot on the helmet. With that, we're going to sign off here from Ray J. They didn't shoot the cannons off that much here today as the Falcons went down 21-15 to to drop to 2-3 and on the season. Hey, we'll be back um, Wednesday to look ahead to the San Francisco 49ers. I saw something where uh, one of the bosses got hurt. But we'll figure that out between now and then as we get you ready for uh, the game against the San Francisco 49ers. But today we wrap up here from the Bowtie Chronicles podcast after the loss in Tampa Bay from the Feisty Falcons, who are going to fight to the end no matter what this year it looks like. So with that, we're going to ask you to take care and have a great week. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.